For those of you who listen to the podcast a lot, you know, at the end of every episode, I pretty much ask all the guests, like, what's one book you recommend? I read a lot of books. I recommend books. Like, writing is still powerful in the world of e-commerce. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the written word. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. When I first got started selling stuff online, I, I didn't have a clue that you actually could. I didn't know how to make money online. I knew some people flipped some stuff on eBay and some people had some websites that maybe ran some ads. But as I've dug deeper into the world of e-commerce and e-entrepreneurism, I found out that there are a million ways to make money, to add value, to, uh, to drive traffic, all sorts of stuff. This world is very, very deep. One of the areas that I became introduced to a couple years ago was writing. And I was introduced to writing through what's called KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing. And I remember when I first saw this, it was like a, a hack, a way to, to uh, earn extra revenue. And it was by taking written works that were no longer protected by IP. So you could take like the story of Moby Dick, I think was a good example. And anybody could take the story of Moby Dick and reproduce that because it had like expired some timeline of when that was protected under copyright. People would take and put that on Kindle and with a an ebook and get it to rank and they'd sell it for $9 and they'd make money off that, right? But I remember thinking, hey, this is a hack, but there must be a way to use technology or to continue to access different audiences to make money, to monetize, to have some sort of benefit from writing. So we have a guest, Brian Collins. He's coming all the way to us from, from Ireland for this interview, and his life revolves around writing. We're going to talk about how you can use writing, how you can impact your income, your online brands, your online presence, all sorts of good stuff. It's going to be really, really good kind of smattering of information and, and an introduction to this world for myself. So I'm pretty excited to learn as well. So thank you, Brian, for being on. Did, did I give a good intro here or did I screw that up? It sounds good, Tim. It's great to be here. Nice to talk to your audience as well. And as my uh, my understanding is, basically your job right now is teaching people how to build authority or create monetization through the written word. Is that a really good high-level intro? It is indeed. So I run a site for writers called Become a Writer Today. And I also have a podcast where I interview best-selling writers like James Clear and Daniel Pink and deconstruct their writing processes. Now, I focus on nonfiction writing and I've discovered a number of things about writing nonfiction and how successful nonfiction authors earn a living. And surprisingly, it's not just from books. And I'm interested to hear what those other ways are. So give us the, the history. How did you get started into this? So I always wanted to write. I always wanted to earn a living from the written word. I thought I'd be a fiction writer and I figured the first way to do that was to study to become a journalist back when I was 18 and had more hair. I'm 39 now, so that was back in the early 2000s. Uh, I didn't spend much time paying attention in college. And when I graduated, I found it really hard to get work. And I was actually unemployed uh, on and off for a few years. And I, my son was small at the time. So I nearly gave up on writing and just said I would do something different altogether. But I still wanted to make a living from writing. So I took a series of courses in writing fiction, uh, entered a few short story competitions, got shortlisted, didn't really get anywhere. 
So after a couple of years, I kind of got sick of this and said, there must be some other way I can earn a living from the written word. I failed as a journalist, failed as a short story writer. What can I do? And then I started coming across content marketing, copywriting and blogging. And I, you know, I read sites like Copyblogger back in the early or 2011, 2012. And I set up my first site, which is gone, but it was a technology site. And it was all about how to use technology and Apple gadgets and so on. Uh, kind of wanted to set up the Irish version of Lifehacker, but I found it was pretty hard for a lone Irish journalist in his bedroom or washed out journalist to compete with Lifehacker. So I decided, well, what do I know about? And that's writing. So I created a new site that offered advice about the craft for new writers. And to my surprise, I started getting traffic and then I started getting questions from readers. And then that led me down the rabbit hole of, uh, you know, how do I pay for web hosting and how do I pay for having an email list. And then I started to discover all the different ways that writers can earn a living online. Uh, and while I was doing this, um, I was slowly acquiring skills on the side that I was able to use to get a job as a copywriter for a British software company. So I suppose I found a backdoor into writing when I'd given up on it. And that's that's interesting, you know, that you started off with, you know, hey, I couldn't find a job, like, Maybe this wasn't what you planned to get into and, and it just kind of evolved. And I, I see that so many times with entrepreneurial, you know, minded people is they end up in a position with maybe an extra expertise that they never would have expected. You know, it kind of found them, which is cool. That seems a little bit like your journey as well. So talk to me about reasons why people should write, because writing, at least the people that I talk to even myself, like it seems ominous. You know, there's so many things to do, you know, day to day. There's only a certain number of hours. Uh, there's only so many skills that we can learn in our lifetime. Like, why is writing important? And why, or what are some of the reasons why people should be writing? So everybody writes, whether they like to admit it or not. You know, you're writing to your business partners, to your customers, to your clients, in emails, in documents that you send them. You're writing when you put something on social media. Uh, you're writing if you're going to create a lead magnet for your business, or even if you're writing a sales page for on your e-commerce store. Um, it's good to learn some of the basic principles of writing because it can clarify your thinking and it can also help you express yourself. And if you want to earn a living uh, from doing something online, if you can translate the features of a particular product that you could be selling into how it can solve problems for your customers, then you'll sell more of those products and earn more of a living. Uh, I suppose that last part that I've described is a specific type of writing, which will be copywriting. Um, but copywriting is one of those odd secondary skills that can translate over into everything that you do for your business. Because if you can convince somebody that what you're doing is of value, uh, then you know they might want to work with you again on a promotion, or perhaps they might want to partner up with you on a business project or buy one of your products or courses or services. So I think we know the value in copywriting. Let me ask you a more specific question. Why should everybody write to write? Like, why should everybody write a book, right? Because I know that's one thing that, that you really talk about a lot is it's it's not just about, you know, client emails and it's not just about good copywriting on your, your website, but like intentional writing, writing to be read, writing to put together a message or a cause or to educate. Why do people need to be considering doing something like this, even if they've never thought about it before? And what are some of the reasons why people would actually dive into that intentional writing for publish? It's a good question, Tim. So so leave it aside, the, the people who took a public domain book and knocked it up and published it on Kindle to earn a few dollars. There's usually three reasons why people write a book. 
They want to tell a story. So it could be something that's happened in their personal life or in their career. Uh, they want to make an impact, which they have an important message or they have an important idea that they want to share with the world because it'll help them help other people. Or they want to earn an income, which is that they believe their idea for a book will translate into sales or will help them with a different part of their business and earn money. All three of those reasons are valid for writing a book. It's good to figure out which one is most important to you before you decide to write your book. Um, so I've interviewed a number of best-selling nonfiction authors, and I was surprised to find that they don't rely on their book sales to earn a living, although some of them do quite well. They actually rely on their book as an almost lead generation magnet into their business. So people buy their book for a couple of dollars, uh, but on you know, unless it's top of the New York Times bestseller, that's not quit your job money. Their book is actually a lead magnet for their courses, for their products, for their consulting, for public speaking gigs, and for what are, whatever other opportunities they've going. Um, as for the other two reasons that I mentioned, a story that you want to tell, well, think of the, the business biographies that you've probably read or listened to on a service like Audible, um, like Pixar, pick the book about Pixar or the book by the Disney CEO, um, Bob Iger. They're certainly not writing those books to make money, but they are writing that book because they want to tell a story about their personal life. And then the, the third reason to make an impact, perhaps, you know, you have an interesting take on building a business that you want to tell other people about, or perhaps you've got a, you know, an interesting insight into productivity or body hacking or, or whatever it is, and you want to get that idea out into the world so other people can understand your point of view. So, so those, are, those are usually the three reasons why people set out to write a nonfiction book. And if you get that right before you sit down to work on your first draft, then you've a much higher chance of going from the first page to the end and publishing something on Amazon that gets good book reviews and that helps you achieve your, your goal for this particular project. And the first part you mentioned is, is pretty easy to understand. It's you want to monetize, right? So not necessarily sell the book, but create a lead magnet to, to whatever you said, coaching, consulting, you know, your agency, whatever it is. The other two, to make an impact or tell a story, those aren't necessarily tied to monetization, are they? Like this is a bigger cause or a different reason, or is it still all about monetization? So the tell a story tends to be, you know, a creative goal. So a lot of writers also write because they enjoy the process. They enjoy sitting down in front of the blank page or opening up their writing app and, you know, spending a couple of hours in deep work or in flow state. And they like telling stories. And typically those writers tend to gravitate more towards fiction. But that said, you can make a living from writing nonfiction. You know, you could write literary nonfiction or personal essays uh, and so on. Uh, in terms of making an impact, you know, making money could be a secondary side benefit, but a lot of business authors, when you read their biography, you know, they've set up seven and even eight figure businesses. They're already quite financially secure, but they want to help other people achieve what they've done. Uh, perhaps they're thinking about legacy or paying something back um, based on, you know, their experiences with, with what's worked for them. And of course, all of this, we're talking about nonfiction, like we're talking about nonfiction books. But do you see any of those three categories being more likely to be more massively read? You know, if, if I'm doing something that is a lead magnet to my consultancy or my agency, yeah, I'm putting good information in there, but people also see a sales pitch, in my opinion. You know, 
is it more likely that if I just wanted mass viewership that I would be more likely to get that if I'm telling a story or if I'm just giving back, like trying to make an impact? Or do you think that all three of these different types of writing or reasons for writing are just as likely to be uh, successes or failures? It's a good question. So I would say when you're writing your book, usually one of these three tends to be more important. Um, So if you want to make an impact, you know, you'll figure out what's the message they're trying to get out into the world. Whereas if you want to make money with your book, you'll probably spend a bit of time thinking about how your book fits into the rest of your business. So are readers clicking through to a landing page or a squeeze page and going into your email funnel, or are they requesting for help from you as a consultant or a coach? Uh, And then if you're telling stories, uh, you're probably not too concerned about making money, but maybe you want to just build an audience. And that could be something as simple as getting people on your email list. Uh, I interviewed one non-fiction author who's several hundred thousand followers on Twitter. And, you know, he puts jokes up on Twitter about what it's like to have uh, three kids. They're they're quite funny jokes, but readers love it. And they click through to his weekly newsletter. Uh, And in his weekly newsletter, he just sends longer entries based on his jokes about his family life with three kids. And then he also has a book about being a dad to three kids. Uh, And for him, it's about a readership as much as it's about uh, earning a living. I think that, you know, deep down, everybody thinks it would be cool to have a book, right? For whatever reason, whether it's telling your story or making an impact or, or, you know, using it to monetize. Everybody thinks it would be cool, but very few people actually do it. And I think one of the, the biggest hangups that people have is they have to ask themselves, like, do I have something worth writing about? And I think that's probably a question you come across a lot and you have to address with a lot of people. Do you think that everybody has something worth writing? Everybody says they have a book inside of them. Only a few people actually sit down to write the book and a fewer amount actually finish the book. Uh, you can write a book if you know why you're going to write a book in the first place. And you can write a book if you're prepared to do the work. What I would say is if you're going to write nonfiction, figure out who is the target reader or audience for your book and how does your book help them or what does it help them achieve in some way? Um, can you help your audience achieve something that they've tried to do over the past few years through your stories or through your message or through the way that you're going to make an impact. Uh, If you want to call yourself an author, you only need to write one book. It doesn't have to be something that you're going to do over and over and over. Uh, But if you want to earn a living from writing as a career, then perhaps you're going to write several books. So it really depends on how long you want to spend writing and how you approach the craft. Some authors I've interviewed uh, take part in an interview like this, and then they send the uh, results to an editor or a ghostwriter who turns it into a book on their behalf. Uh, Other authors like to go out and write the books themselves. Um, Some authors go for the write fast, publish often model, whereas other authors, you know, publish only one or two books during their career. So there's all different ways to approach writing a book. Uh, And the other thing is a book these days, it doesn't have to be 120,000 words. Some of the best selling books on Kindle are 20,000 words, 30,000 words long, which if you're blogging or creating content regularly, you know, that's maybe two months work. If you write 500 words a day, if you do that for five days a week, that's 2,500 words. If you do that for a month, that's 10,000 words. If you do that for two or three months, you have the first draft of a book and then you can take that and you can give that to an editor and you could have a book. You can call yourself an author within a couple of months. So it doesn't have to be something that takes over your entire life or a huge project. That means you've got to take a sabbatical from your business. Man, I'm writing down so many questions. I know I'm going to have more questions at the end of this than answers, but that's all right. 
we talked about monetization a little bit because right now you're talking about time. You're talking about two hours a day or 25,000 words a, a month or whatever. And all of us that are listening to this are very entrepreneurial and, and we need to stay laser focused on the things that are going to provide an ROI or provide value, right? It doesn't even have to be uh, necessarily money, but money helps, right? And if we're thinking about the actions that we take every day or every week leading to some sort of income, the question has to be asked, like, is it always possible to monetize on writing? And is it as simple as as I think it is? Maybe you're saying, hey, you either sell a book or you create some sort of lead magnet or traffic. Like, are there any other ways to monetize on that that I'm not thinking about? Or can you just break it down, give a very, very basic overview on like, this is how you monetize on writing. So we can think about like, is this worth our time? So I can, I can give some ways that authors monetize on their books and then I can cover monetizing on writing, which can be... Yeah. Well, let's stay away from monetizing on writing. We know that like really good copy is good on listings or on websites. We know that, but like, let's talk specifically about a book. So there are a number of ways that authors monetize with a nonfiction book. The, I suppose the, the most obvious way is through book sales. Uh, you know, a nonfiction book retails for between five and $10. If you have that book in multiple formats, you know, a workbook, if it's a business book, an audio book available in more stores than just Amazon, invest some advertising through Amazon ads and also through Facebook ads, you know, you can easily earn uh, $1,000, $2,000 a month, which can be a nice side income until you get the rest of your business up and running. Um, now, that might be not enough for, for many people. I know it's not quit your job money or it wasn't quit your job money for me. So there are other ways nonfiction authors monetize books. If you're a public speaker, you can sell your book as part of your public speaking package. So some of the public speakers I've talked to, uh, when they're landing the public speaking gig, they work it into their contract that the person hiring them also has to buy so many books and give them away to everybody in the audience. One public speaker I talked to said if he does two or three of these gigs a year, it's enough to pay his living expenses for the year. So that's the second way you can do it. Uh, the third way is if you're selling an online course, this is something um, you can treat your book almost as a lead magnet. So you, you talk about some of the big ideas in your course, in your book. People read the book and even if you feel like you've given everything away in the book, you'd be surprised because people consume information in different ways. Sometimes they want more. So they, you know, they could go from your book to your email list and then they'll buy an online course, which you can sell for obviously, you know, far more than five or ten dollars. You can sell that for a couple of hundred dollars. Um, the fourth way you can monetize your book is to offering some sort of consulting. So I've interviewed a number of B2B consultants, and for them, they're not writing a book for book sales. It's a credibility builder so that, you know, when they're pitching a client, uh, you know, they can say, I'm a Wall Street Journal bestselling author of X. And that demonstrates they've got credibility and expertise. And then they can earn money from consulting with uh, businesses or with their ideal audience. Um, the fifth way is if you have a series of books that you're going to write. So one book is only just one small step towards building, you know, five figure income or even a six figure income from your book sales each year. Uh, so, so those are some of the common ways that nonfiction authors can earn a living from their books. Which is a, a wide, <laughs> a wide array. I wish we could dive really, really deep into all those, but let's talk about actually, you know, steps to getting started. Like this all sounds good. All right. But what is the actual approach to begin to begin getting started. Can you give me like a very high level overview? Brian, I want to write a book. How do I do it? So you want to write a book and you've already figured out why you're going to write a book. 
The next thing you should do is identify your target audience. And if possible, get on the phone with them for half an hour, speak to them, interview them, figure out their pain points. And that'll give you some interesting insights that you can use for the language in your, in your book. Now, when it comes to the actual writing of the book, um, I always recommend that nonfiction authors outline their work in advance. So if you're writing a 2000 word chapter, you could create a series of bullet points using bullet point software like Dynalist or using index cards. If you have about 10 to 15 bullet points of what the chapter is about, what the key takeaways are and what ideas you want to get across. When you sit down to write that first draft, you won't be looking at the blank screen thinking, what am I going to say? Because you can follow the bullet points and go from the start to the end of the chapter. Even if the chapter is not very good, don't stop to edit yourself or to fix it or to clarify your thinking. That can all come later during the editing process. Your job is simply to hit a target word count for the day to get the first draft of that chapter onto the screen. Uh, when you've done your half an hour writing or your hour writing for the day, go along with your, with your job or your business or whatever it is you need to do. And then the next day, repeat that process, either aiming to finish a chapter or to hit a specific word count uh, each day. Um, as you should have a target word count for your book in mind based on the particular genre. So if it's a business book, 30 to 60,000 words is a rule of thumb. Um, so that's a couple of months, maybe three or four months, depending on how much you stick to that writing routine. But once you have that first draft ready, find yourself an editor using a service like Readsy and get in touch with them and figure out a date that you're going to send them that draft. And they will help you turn that draft into something that you can use, into something that you can publish. Well, that's, and you called that, yeah, you said ahead. that was Readsy, R-E-A-D-S-Y? Readsy is like a crowdsourcing service for finding professional book, edit, book editors, book cover designers, and so on. There's other services you can use too, but uh, that's what I've been using lately um, for nonfiction books. Uh, you can also find an editor on Upwork and so on. But I would say work, find an editor who can help you because they will find and fix errors in your manuscripts that you will have trouble fixing alone. A couple of other techniques you can use to write your, your manuscript a bit faster too. Um, transcript or using speech to text software is one option. So you can use otter.ai or dragon anywhere, and you can actually dictate the, the draft of your book and then clean that up. Or alternatively, if you have more of a budget and less time, you could use a service like rev.com. So if you have your bullet points, dictate into your phone using the rev app and it costs $1.25 per minute. And they'll give you back a fairly clean draft, assuming you know, you've spoken in clear and concise sentences. And often that can be enough of a first draft to work with. Um, so, so those are some of the strategies that I would use to, to get that first draft ready. Because the first draft solves the hardest bit. And you said that was called Rev.ai? Re Otter.ai is an AI-powered transcription service. So a lot of business users, small business owners use it to transcribe meetings. Um, it's reasonably accurate, but you can actually use it to, to, to transcribe yourself speaking into your phone or into the web browser using a set of Apple AirPods. Rev is a transcription service, rev.com, and that actually involves like someone like you or me listening to the audio, recording, and typing it up. The advantage of rev.com is that you get a uh, transcription that's 95% or more accurate. But the disadvantage is that a dollar twenty-five for a minute, you know, you're going to need a larger budget. I, I think Otter.ai costs, I think it's nine dollars per month for six hundred minutes of of transcription. Um, but the takeaway here is to, to get from the start of your first draft to the end of your first draft as quick as possible. 
and then you can get to the editing process because then you'll have something to work with and once you have something to work with you're you're already halfway there because the first draft is always the hardest part of any manuscript yeah that makes sense uh i've always found that everything i do once i get started it seems to flow but but those first few steps and i guess in this case would be that first draft is, is tough so how much work is it to write a book like we're talking about time but is it as simple as just time or is it a ton of actual laborious mind-bending stressful work because you're the way you're describing it now i'm telling myself oh this is great i can get one of these transcription services get some bullet points and every day when i'm driving to the office while i'm driving i can i can speak what i'm thinking about that bullet point is it that easy or does it need to be more focused, like actual dedicated time. And and I guess the other question would be, are a lot of people, are there a lot of people that attempt this and just fall off because they realize, hey, this is more work than I anticipated? It's more work than you anticipated if you are writing a book and you don't really have a plan for it. So it really depends. If you know the subject quite well, if you know your audience quite well, and if it's something you're passionate about, you, you'll naturally enjoy it. Whereas if you decide to write a book that's completely unrelated to your business or it's a topic you don't know that much about, it's going to be a bit more of a challenge. Uh, writing a book is work. There's no lying or getting around that. But if you get it right, um, you can make writing a book much more easy and much more enjoyable. So with the increase of all this new technology, I want to ask you two questions about distribution and writing. Okay, so let's keep those separate. So the first question is, with this new technology and with the the current state of of all the tools and resources we have, is it easier to write a book now than it was, say, 20 or 30 or more years ago? We're not talking about just distribution yet, but just writing. Is it easier to write a book? It's easier to write a book in that if you need to research something, you don't necessarily have to travel to that location or to arrange a meeting that takes many weeks. You know, you can talk to somebody over Zoom or Skype and interview them that way. Or if you're researching some statistics or facts, you know, you can check it up online or use a service. You still got to do the work and get the words out onto the page. Um, the software that I described a few moments ago will speed it up a little bit. But at the end of the day, you still do need to do some of the writing or hire a ghost writer. The distribution of a book is, is much easier. Um, you can format a book and get it ready for a service uh, like Amazon using software like Vellum. With Vellum, you can prepare your manuscript for publication in an hour or two. And once it's online on Amazon, you can quickly repurpose your book um, for different media and for different outlets. You can turn it into a course and so on. So I guess I guess to summarize, parts of writing a book have gotten easier and the distribution has gotten a lot easier, but you still need to commit to the book. So with things getting easier, more people are obviously doing it. Do you think that the ease of writing and ease of distribution is creating a scenario where it's harder to succeed because it's more saturated? Because I'm not saying this is the case, but I would think like, as this gets easier and everybody does it, like, does the effectiveness of the book start to decrease because everybody can easily write a book now? Good question. One I've wondered about myself. There are certainly more and more books published on KDP every year compared to previous years. But what you find is low quality books tend to sink quite quickly. They don't sell, they get slated by reviews and uh, people don't, don't read them. Quality books will rise. People will engage with quality books and book sales, whether through audiobook, particularly for nonfiction, are continuing to increase. 
Um, everybody says they have a book inside of them, but only a few people will actually take that book and turn it into a finished product. Um, and also people consume information in different ways. I mean, I might like to take a course to learn how to do something. Whereas sometimes I've talked to students and they've told me they prefer learning something through the written word. So I don't think the book is going anywhere. It's just evolving into different formats. Um, like for example, for a business book, I usually enjoy listening to the audio version wherever it's fiction, I prefer reading the, you know, the print book or, or the book on Kindle. So it really depends on the audience and how they like to consume information or whether they just want to relax and enjoy it. So that's so bizarre that you just said something about an audiobook. Because as you were saying that, I was writing a note to myself to ask about audiobooks. It just popped into my head. Because we know people are consuming books via audio more, right? It's just happening. And sometimes I find it harder to absorb certain types of books. One of, I'll tell you how big of a nerd I am. My favorite book series in the world is the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan and then Brandon Sanderson massive, like massive fantasy book series, right? Really, really cool side note. Amazon is now doing a, a movie series on it, which is great. We've been waiting for like 15 years for someone to pick it up. But when I've tried to listen to an audiobook, I can't do it because the way it's written, it's harder for me to absorb audibly than it is visually. Like, I don't know if it's just the words or the, the, the flow or whatever it is. I'm not sure. But even you kind of alluded to that, that you prefer reading fiction books, but you prefer listening to business books or nonfiction books. My question is, because we know people are listening to books in a much higher uh, or, or uh, an ever-increasing rate versus reading, should that change how we write? Like, should we adapt the way that we write our books to be more easily consumed audibly? Or is there not really any, am I overthinking that? When I'm taking a book and preparing it for an audiobook, I will make some changes. So I'll change some keywords. Like as you read this book, I will change it to as you're listening to this book. Um, not every author does that. So it really depends. <clears throat> what I like to do is when I'm listening to a, a business book, that's an audio version. Um, I find I can do that while I'm at the gym or out for a walk or a run and I'll get through it. Whereas it'd be harder for me to find extra time for reading if I'm just relying on print or Kindle books. But then what I'll do is um, I'll still buy the Kindle book as well, but I won't read the Kindle book. I'll just use it and scan through it to the sections that caught my attention while I was listening to it. And I'll just highlight them and just pull those out. Um, or another option is you can use a book summary service to get the cliff notes of the book you've just listened to and see if you missed anything um, that's of interest. But yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, Tim. I mean, people can learn information in different ways. Some people, you know, find it hard to listen to somebody. They prefer reading it on the page or they prefer reading it on Kindle. Um, so I'd say find a format that works for you and use that. For me, it's usually nonfiction audio and fiction on print. Can you give me a price range of out-of-pocket costs to write a book? I'm not talking about marketing. I'm not talking about distributing. We're talking about we got to write rough drafts. We got to bring editors in. We got to do all this. This is like if I'm writing a, a 10,000 word or 15,000 word business book, how much is it going to cost me just to get that thing written? It's, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good question. So I was thinking about the intro where you described taking uh, old books and putting them up on Kindle, and they're probably doing that at almost zero cost. Uh, but the reality is, if you're going to write a business book and you, you know, it's an asset for your business, so you need to invest in it and take it seriously. Uh, if you're going to get an editor, and your book is forty to fifty thousand words. Expect to pay them around two to three thousand um, dollars. 
maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on the how much work your book needs and the type of editor that they are. That's how much I paid an editor recently, and that covered copy editing and editing the book. You'll also need a proofreader, um, so that's five hundred to a thousand dollars as well. Um, and then you'll need to invest in a good book cover for your book too. Not something to skimp on because your book cover is what captures people's attention in Amazon and other bookstores. And you've only got a very small amount of real estate. So please don't try and design your book cover yourself, which I tried to do with my first book, save money. That didn't work out. So for a good book cover, again, it really depends on the quality of the designer. But $500 to $1,000 is, is a good price range. Um, so I guess to answer your question, if you wanted to get a book live, on budget, that's reasonably professional. Um, I mean, you could do it for maybe $3,000, maybe a little bit less, I suppose, if, if you knew a friend who could help with some of that. If you want to invest in your book, you're probably going to go above $3,000, maybe $4,000. But think of it as an asset that's going to add to your business over time. You won't get that money back straight away, but you know it'll come back to you in other ways. And what's the difference between an editor and a proofreader? That's the first time you've mentioned proofreader. So an editor will look at your manuscript and they will say, you know, hey, Brian, when you talked about um, how to uh, become more productive in chapter two, you also talked about it in chapter seven. You're repeating yourself. Maybe you should move this around and just have one chapter about productivity and one chapter about book marketing. Uh, Whereas a proofreader will read that and they will say, hey, Brian, when you were talking about how to become more productive, you use B to spell productive instead of the letter P. So you made a spelling mistake. So I'll fix that for you. So an editor is more adjusting how you tell the story or transfer the information, the information that you transfer maybe. A proofreader is more like technical grammatical. Exactly, exactly. And just to to murky the waters, uh, an editor can do both. So this is where you can save a little bit of money. But if you have a bit more to invest in your book, it's usually better to get a proofreader who's separate to the editor because they'll spot mistakes that the editor will have missed. Um, but if you're doing it on a budget, you could hire an editor and hire a book cover designer. Uh, if you have a bit more money, hire the proofreader as well. Uh, but you can also get friends to proofread if they're eagle-eyed. Yeah. And we're talking about, you know, you're saying you should be able to get your first book done for less than $5,000, right? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Pretty easily. All right, so that lands us with basically written word. It's not printed. It's not distributed. We can get deep into conversation, I'm sure, about how to market a book and how to get distribution, all that stuff. But essentially, the easiest way now to get a book on the market is through a digital book like Amazon, you know, KDP, direct publishing. We kind of understand that. And if I sell a book online for $10, you know, Amazon will take a small cut of that, give me some, and that downloads to people's electronic devices. But what about printing? Are people, I mean, people are, but give me a very, very kind of high level overview of getting your book printed because some people still want it on the bookshelf or some people still want that thing, uh, their own book printed. Do we have to send it off to a printer and have 10,000 copies made or can we use uh, like print on demand systems? Yeah, print on demand all the way. Don't get 10,000 copies printed. Uh, So if you want to get a print copy of your book, which is a fantastic idea, by the way, if you want, if you're a public speaker or you just want to reach people who don't like reading on Kindle, um, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can hire a designer who will lay it out on print for you because there's all sorts of things you think about for print that don't apply to Kindle, such as uh, the way the words are laid out on the page, typography, and so on. Uh, you can Secondly, you can use software like Vellum, which will prepare your book for print for you. 
Mac only, but there is workarounds to using it for Windows. Um, when you have a file that's print ready, uh, you can use Amazon, which also do print on demand. Uh, and uh, you probably want to print off more than Amazon. So you could also use a service like Ingram Spark, which will help you prepare a print copy of your book, which bookstores can order in as well. You'll need to invest a little bit more in the book cover because when you're doing a Kindle version, you're just in the front of the book. Whereas when you're doing a print for book, you've also got to think about the spine and the back of the book. Um, so there's that to consider too. Uh, print books also require a bit more proofing and checking because you know, you, you're going to have to get the print copy and go through and see if there's anything look visually odd. For example, if you have images, it could look fine on screen, but it could look odd when you get the print version of your book. So Amazon, I know you can you can do you know the digital version, but when I go to like an Amazon book listing and I can order the softback or order the digital the softback is probably Amazon printing those on demand and shipping them to me. But you're saying there are other print on demand services that are more mainstream where even you know bookstores can order, hey, I want five copies of this or one copy of this, and those are still being printed on demand and then shipped to the actual physical bookstore, right? Yeah, so Ingram Spark will be the service to use for that. There's another service which I haven't used, but it's supposed to be quite good called I think it's Lulu. I think they're based in the UK, so, so they're they're worth checking out too. And are most of the print on demands are they soft cover or can you get hardbacks too? I uh, you can get hardback, but they're they primarily focus on softback. I haven't done hardback yet, so I understand there's there's some more cost and issues with doing hardback, but I think they're making that easier. Um, but it is a bit more work to do softback. But the days of having to go out and, you know, have a, a printer print me out 3,000 copies of the book and I stack them in my garage and try to get my friends and family to buy them off of me, those days are over, right? They are, thankfully. <laughs> so you don't have to keep yeah. a huge stock of inventory. That's awesome. <laughs> well, man, I know we could keep going forever. This is a, a great conversation. If you can't tell, this is something I'm actually interested in. I'm a little more advanced than just hey, I'd love to write a book. Like I'm actually planning on writing a couple books and this has been great information for me. If those of you that are watching this on YouTube, you see all the notes that I took. It's like a whole page of stuff. So hopefully this has been valuable to you listeners as well. Even if you've not thought about writing a book, it's good just to know what's out there in the world, like ways in which people can monetize through different skills or different ways to drive traffic or create um, sales funnels, things like that. Uh, if you have thought about a book, I think that this episode maybe has given you some encouragement that there is a fairly simple system. There's not a huge barrier to entry. It's not crazy expensive to do it. You can take this thing in bite-sized chunks and get it done. If we wanted to learn more, Brian, about how to write a book, I assume we could go to your website. Do you want to, to quickly plug how people can get a hold of you or, or come get information from your resources? If you want to learn more, visit becomearitertoday.com. I'll give you a free book of writing prompts that will help you for your book. Or alternatively, you can look for the show on iTunes where I interview uh, best-selling authors about their writing processes. And I also have a course that will teach you how to write your book based on some of the ideas that we've talked about in today's interview. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And uh, it's it's ironic that we're doing this talking to a guy that you know writes books, but at the end of every episode, that's the thing I, I ask our guests is, hey, in your entrepreneurial journey, you must have learned something somewhere along the way that was profound and changed the way that you looked at life or looked at business and whether you did things. If you had to go to your bookshelf right now and pull one book off the shelf that you wanted to recommend to our audience and say, hey, you need to go read this book, what would that book be? Check out The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Uh, it applies to creative work, but a lot of entrepreneurs have got takeaway from it about what's helped them uh, work on their business and work on what's most important for them. 
That was a fast answer. A lot of people go, oh, I don't, I don't know. Let me think about that. Like before I even had the question out, you're firing that off. So I love the conviction. That's good stuff. It probably means it's, it's a good book. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for being on. Thank you all for listening again. Make sure to give us a thumbs up. And as they like to say now in the YouTube world, ring that bell if you're <laughs> watching this on YouTube. Otherwise, leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you guys next week on the next episode.